Here we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel on this Rumination Thursday, July the 7th in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me to help me out on this Rumination Thursday is Pastor Wes Reimnitz. Hi, Wes. Hi, Tom. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, is it raining up your way or snowing or anything? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, been raining off and on this morning. It's kind of kind of humid. I mean, not just because it's wet, but the humidity is also pretty pretty heavy. So it's kind of warm there. Is it around the 90s like we have in St. Louis? <laughs> no, this is central Illinois. It's in the 70s, <laughs> and the humidity is just... Uh, Hi. Yes. Well, let's get to our subject for today. Uh, There was an unscientific survey of theologians over the past decade, and they had dominant views in regard to Jesus. One of them was that Jesus only cared about the kingdom of God, that is the Holy Christian Church, spiritual matters, and did not care anything about the government. The other view was that Jesus was really a socialist. Now, what are the truths about those two views? Well, as the writer puts it, uh, and I I thought he did a fairly good good job on the article, although as we get into it, there's more that can be said. Uh, Both are wrong. You know, it's reasonable that Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God, but he also cared about government and it, it, as neglected as a teenager in foster care. So he cared about government. Is there any example from the scripture where it shows that God cares about government? Well, I think the, the the clear one that he does that everybody quotes is is in Mark 12. And Jesus said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar and to God the things that are God. And they were all amazed at him, Mark 12, 17. Yeah, they were amazed because they didn't think he would answer that way. Uh, they thought he would just be talking about spiritual matters And there was even a time when he owed a tax. And what did he get his disciples to do to pay that tax? Do you remember that? Isn't that the one where he got to cast for a fish? And out of the fish's mouth was some coins. Exactly. And he used that coin to pay for the taxes. So we need to remember that when Jesus came into the world, he wasn't opposed to the government. In in fact, the apostle to the Gentiles, that was Paul, had quite a bit to say about the government. And what did he say? Well, the one that we use most often is uh, out of Romans 13. Uh, The government is a servant of God to you for good for if you do what is evil be afraid but if 
for it does not bear the sword for nothing, for it is the servant of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Now, we have three uses of the law. Isn't that really talking about God's first use of the law? Yeah, uh, curb, a mirror, a rule. Those are the three, yes. Right. What's the curb? The curb is uh, keep evil and robbery and all sorts of manners of of wrongdoing in, in check. The simplest is you're going down the road, it says 55 miles an hour. It's a curb for you to to stay within a speed limit for your, for your own safety. So we would go so far to say that when we see that 55 mile per hour limit, that really is God's rule for us working through the government. Yeah, <laughs> I laugh. How, how many of us see that? You know, well, God will allow us to go a little faster and a little faster, and then before you know it, there's a wreck. Yes, that can happen. There's always negative consequences. Uh, a lot of times when you go too fast, you get maybe stopped by a policeman and get a ticket, or you can have a wreck. I remember I was going to KFUO one morning and all of a sudden my car started acting up and I was able to pull over to a Walgreens a store uh, where they usually have a taxi and I was going to take the taxi, but there was no taxi there at that time. And so I phoned uh, KFUO, told them I wouldn't be able to be in on time. They did a repeat show. And as soon as I hung up with them, a taxi pulled into the parking lot. <laughs> Is that so, the divine consequences or something? Well, you know, I got, that was a repeat show from years before. And I got quite a bit of positive comments about how good the show was. And so huh. obviously God thought that the show I had prepared for wasn't going to be as good as that repeat was. And that's how I justified not being able to get to KFUO on time. Well, isn't that just like sometimes on a Sunday sermon? You aim the sermon in a certain direction. It goes off into another direction. And you have people walking out saying, boy, did I need that? Uh, yes. Um I've given up asking people, you know, when they say, boy, that was a great sermon. I've given up asking them, what did you like about it? Because sometimes they'll say what I liked about it was this point, And I can't even remember saying that point. Yeah. Well, I think it's kind of a reminder. You've been talking about it in the last week or so with these uh, pastors coming out and being ordained. That uh, and the fact that we need to go to to church and, and there hear the word of God and there the Holy Spirit is working on on the hearts of of believers as as they listen and worship and receive the gifts of God. Yes, we need to make a distinction between the civil government and, of course, the spiritual government. And the spiritual government 
shouldn't really be so much involved in telling the civil government what to do if it's not in a biblical sense. So our recent Supreme Court decision uh, against abortion was very helpful and in line with God's word. But on the other hand, they're also trying to make decisions about credit cards. How much should credit card companies be allowed to charge for interest? I don't think the church has anything to do with that. Do you? Oh, no. But aren't you talking about usury, the charges of interest rates, how much a Christian should charge? Well, there is no doubt in the Bible. Uh, uh, they, they had one rule, wasn't it? Every seven years, all debts were canceled. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, Year of Jubilee. Yeah. But that was civil laws of the Old Testament. And we no longer follow the civil laws of the Old Testament like them or uh, the ceremonial laws. We're only bound to the moral laws of the Old Testament, like the Ten Commandments, etc. Mm. Well, <laughs> in discussing government today, wouldn't we be discussing the Fourth Commandment to honor your parents, which would be also talking about how we we honor our civil government? Yes, there's no doubt that there are two, three kinds of fathers that the Catechism talks about. You first of all have your spiritual father, that is God the Father, uh, the Father of, of course, Jesus Christ in the Holy Trinity uh, and with the Holy Spirit. Then you have your biological or adopted fathers, but then you also have the government that is considered to be fathers. In fact, you know, it's interesting in our laws that there is a division in age between those who commit crimes. If they're under a certain age, they normally don't get tried as adults because they're still mm -hmm. thought to be under the jurisdiction of their parents. But once they're out of that jurisdiction, then the government takes over, and I think that's I think that's why it was critical that we take, from my perspective, that we take a look at this article that talks about uh, how Jesus cared about government. It, hopefully, that by the end of this session, that our hearers will understand that uh, uh, what good government means and. Take the, take the rights that they have and vote this fall for good government. Yes. The article also says, Paul doesn't say the government should strive to make us happy, end poverty, build roads and schools, uh, promote homosexuality, spread democracy, control the climate, or any of the other hobby horses people like to ride today. That doesn't mean the state can't do those things. It only means that no one can find support for such government activity in the Bible. 
Now, would you agree with that statement? Yes, I would. And you know, uh, earlier one of one of one of his backup passages was uh, from First Peter chapter two, and, and you know, I took a look at that, and he really, I think, really is keen in on something that that we need to to keep in mind. What does we, it say? We, well, first uh, is that passage from First Peter chapter two. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you were had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So first, you know, Peter makes that point that, that we are... God's elect, uh, one one for us by Christ's death and resurrection, and then he goes on, be subject to the Lord, sake to every institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors who were sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good, and then it goes further on to that, but. He makes a point that we as children of God are to obey our governments. Yes. Where I would somewhat disagree with what he says the government should not be doing is to end poverty or promote schools, etc. Um, I, I think there, for for example... What did the early Christians do in regard to uh, the famine that was occurring in Jerusalem? Because the Jews who became Christians were not being fed by the Jewish leaders. And, of course, the Gentiles weren't either. So what did the Christians do? Well, they they went out and, and did a fundraiser, so to speak, across the world itself asking yes. for donations. And helping to feed the people in Jerusalem, etc. So, I think we can show from the Bible there are certain things that can be done that that are not contrary to the Scripture. And of course, the obvious ones are the second table of the Ten Commandments, dealing with honor your father and mother and murder and adultery and stealing, the government should be watching over those things. Yeah. Well, the other, another thing I, I thought it, that you could go deeper than in the article, as you mentioned, is the threefold office of Christ, prophet, priest, and king. And especially as king, he rules the, the world in our interest, and he is head of the church from Ephesians chapter 1, I thought that uh, we, we could have gone deeper in, in, into that too as well. Well, he does indicate, though, that Jesus is head over all things. And um, he says, the civil laws God gave Israel 
were not unique then or now. And that's, of course, the second table of the commandments, because the first table were unique, namely having no other gods before you, not taking his name in vain, remember the Sabbath day. But it says God did not run the day-to-day -day business of the nations. I'm not so sure I agree with that. We're, we're doing a study in the book of Proverbs, and that's Solomon's writing, of course. And he talks about what he says to his son, but he also talks about what God says to his sons, his children, sons and daughters of the kingdom. And Proverbs has a lot of advice as to how people should live within the government that we have. Right. Well, that first Peter chapter two passage goes on servants be subject to your masters with all respect for good and gentle also be to the unjust. And it goes on to talk about that you have been called because of Christ also suffer for you, leaving you an example that we as, as Christians are called to be an example in, in obeying our government. From the Old Testament, they show that God was taking care of enemies of Israel, including Syria, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, and Greece. And it says, God rules every nation as he did Israel under the judges. He is king of the universe, whether people acknowledge that reality or not. I think that's very important. Oh, uh, what brought to mind was uh, Daniel and Cyrus. Daniel talks to, to Cyrus that he, that Cyrus is to be an instrument of God and letting the people go. Yes, and... and there's another point that needs to be made. Some people think that we Christians should not be criticizing the government we have or the leaders in the government because that's mixing church and state. But I'm not so sure about that. Uh, why did John the Baptist end up losing his head? Well, because he spoke out against the Herod, who was sleeping with his brother's wife, and as a result of it, uh, for speaking out against sin, he was put to death. Yes, his brother's wife was not happy, got her daughter to ask for the head of John the Baptizer, and of course, that's how he died. But is it an example that we as Christians were not only concerned about the spiritual matters, but we can also be concerned about civil matters. Now, one of the things I find interesting that many of the laws that are made in the United States don't need a biblical background because what you charge in taxes isn't really found in the scripture. Uh, how you're going to decide, like we drive through central Illinois and going to churches and it's really quite amazing how many roads they are fixing. And then there are some roads that I think they should be fixing. They're not fixing. Well, that doesn't mean that from the pulpit, 
I should be criticizing the government for not fixing those roads. That has nothing to do with what the church has to do about laws of the government. Yeah, that I, I would agree with you. But I, I think being able to take a look at at the, the, the laws of the land, not just taxes, but the abortion issue and things of that, that nature with the turnover of road versus way, that uh, our people can make decisions as uh, to the voting booth, so to speak, to protect those rights of the unborn or protect the rights of, of other people in seeing that we have good government. Well, one that came up in the government, the Supreme Court recently, was a ruling in regard to the purchase of weapons, guns, that the Supreme Court indicated that a person can purchase a weapon. He doesn't have to have permission of the government by showing them that he needs a weapon. Now, would that be a biblical kind of point of view, or is that just something the government can decide one way or the other? It's up to the government, I would say. I mean, the most recent that they, they had was up in Highland Park, which is in Illinois, our state. And we have some of the strictest gun laws and how to carry, how, how to prevent people from getting guns that shouldn't have them. And that didn't stop it. It, it still happened anyway. So, you know, you can make as many laws as you want, but these things still happen. Yeah, the fact of the matter is, is that, well, criminals are going to get guns no matter what your laws are, because they're criminals and they can get a gun. But what if I said to you that there is a biblical basis for having a weapon? What would you say to that? I'd like to hear it. <laughs> okay. It's in Luke chapter 22. Jesus is talking to them. He just finished talking about that Peter is going to deny him. And here's what he says, beginning with verse 35. When I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? They said, nothing. He said to them, but now let the one who has a money bag take it and likewise a knapsack and let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. Isn't that interesting? Uh, I, you know, I, I, I remember the passage which you're talking about, but I've never saw it that way as first. Well, why do you think Jesus would want them to carry a sword? For safety? Yes. Just think of the parable of the Good Samaritan, where a, a Jewish man is, well, he's attacked by uh, Samaritans, and, of course, uh, another Samaritan comes along and helps him. But it was necessary at times to have a sword. In fact, sometimes they weren't to use the sword. 
Can you think of an example where Jesus chastised Peter? Well, of course, I was in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, when uh, they came to arrest Jesus, and and Peter threw his sword and cut off the ear of Malchus, the servant of the high priest. And uh, Jesus, of course, healed him and told him told Peter to see the sword that, you know, to live by the sword is to die by the sword. Yes, the point he was making there is that this was in the process of Jesus going to the cross, and Peter was getting in the way of it by using the sword to try and attack the people that came to arrest Jesus. And Jesus, yeah. what did he say about the legions? <laughs> He could he could summon down twelve legions of angels to help him, and a legion in in Roman times was up to ten thousand soldiers in one legion, so he could have called down one hundred twenty eight thousand angels at once. Yes, and there were definitely dangerous areas in those days where people would travel, and it was necessary for them to be equipped with weapons to protect themselves. And so that's something that you can show from the scripture, Jesus even telling them to get a sword. Now, the real sword they had, though, what was the sword they had in the spiritual realm? Oh, the word itself. Uh, you know, the, the power of the word working in their life is, as, as you, you're probably recalling Ephesians chapter what six, which is talking about the, the helmets, yes, of salvation. Well, the one I like is Hebrews four verse twelve, where the mm. sword is more. Uh, the word of God is more powerful than a sharp two-edged sword, because it has both law and gospel. So, that's our program for today to show that Jesus was not a socialist and he only did not care about the church but also about the government. Thanks so much Wes for helping us through this. Tomorrow open emails you can write me if you have a question on this or any other subject. I'm Tom Baker God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.